I think it can be motivating to have um, your coach not be so far ahead of you. I think in, in the coaching realm, if you're, you know, miles and miles apart from where your client is in that journey, maybe the relatability piece is missing. Our ever-changing world calls upon the most courageous, resilient, and relentless of us to face its most extraordinary challenges. To help you embark on this journey, we present the Impactful Coaching Podcast, your oasis for inspiration and a beacon to spark the fires of greatness within you. I'm Joseph. I will be your ally in this journey to empower your potential. Join us each week as we dive deep into the heart of ambition, drive, and success to unravel compelling stories of daring leaders who dreamed, struggled, and achieved victory. Our journey begins now. How is everybody doing today? This is the Impactful Coaching Podcast. My name is Joseph, web media expert. I'm not just the guy. I'm one of, I'm sure, multiple people who work with professionals such as you to understand and use web media to the best of your ability. And I'm here to host the podcast, which is an honor and a privilege. And I'm here with Sarah Powell of Macklin International, formerly known as Vita. Sarah Powell is going to be continuing a discussion that I am thrilled to have in the world of dating. So this is dating conversation number three. First of all, before we do question one, question zero, question negative one is, Sarah, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? (laughs) I'm feeling good. Thank you. I have a little bit of a residual cough. So sorry if if you hear that, but I'm excited nonetheless to dive into it today. I have, well, I don't have a residual cough, but like my congestion just calmed down after the, the last couple of days. I w- okay, I'm just going to get this out of my system because I just, uh, I got in my second round of COVID earlier on in the week. Mm-hmm. And this, it was, well, here's the thing is that like everybody feels bad, right? Which I, I, I appreciate. But then I thought, you know something, if this is just a cold. No one would care for me to take time off. But I told all my other clients that I've got COVID and be like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I just rest. Like, you know, like one of, one of my clients is a, is a Marine, a for, former Marine. And again, if I tell him I'm very cold, do you think he would accept that as an answer? But I tell him I got COVID. He's like, 10 for a little buddy, get some rest. Good to go. So I was just like, <laughs> for me, it's been like a vacation. So might, might as well make the, make the most of it. So I'm glad you're feeling better. Well, thank you for that. And uh, so far, you, I wouldn't have guessed that you've got a residual cough, but we'll see what magic I can pull off in editing. <laughs> a lot of the guests that we talk to on the program, we meet for the first time on the program because everyone is busy, but we did have the luxury of having a little bit of time to plan out what we wanted to talk about. And one thing that came up in preparation was a bit of a misunderstanding that I think we can actually use as an opportunity to clarify for today. So I referred to the business as a platform, um, and it's mm-hmm. not that, it's uh, it's an agency, but what I think would be really <laughs> helpful is to hear from you why like why is this distinction so important and what have been some of the misconceptions with what, the work that you do thank you for bringing that up early in the conversation because so many people do think matchmaking and then they equate that with like an online dating platform or that we're kind of have this online access or app that people can browse. However, we are actually a fully offline operating service. We have a network of people, but all of these, all of our service is um, more kind of one-on-one consulting type of matchmaking. Um, And again, it's a big distinguishment. It's nothing that people can filter through themselves. All of the information is 
purely for the matchmaking team internally. It's kind of a night and day experience versus an online app, which we'll get into all the ins and outs of it, um, I think at, at some point today. But yes, thanks for clarifying. We're not a platform. It's it's a high-end service and, and agency. Mm-hmm. Well, it had done me a favor as well because it had never fully crystallized for me just exactly what m- makes a platform distinctly a platform. And the takeaway is that I would argue a platform is something where the users are responsible for their own satisfaction. So whether you're using mm-hmm. Facebook or you're using a dating app or a, a public forum or like uh, YouTube, which uh, a video um, platform, hence the, the term there, it's all about the user self-curating the experience while the algorithm is trying to learn that, understand that, and get the user closer to their preferred consistent experience. And so... That right there, I think, is what makes a platform distinct from um, a lot. Well, definitely an agency, very clear distinction because you're doing the curating, you're doing the work. And so that's uh, exactly right. As a tradition on on the program, uh, now I'm not going to tell my dating story. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm not going to tell my dating story again. I've done it twice so far, and I can only refine this down to the point where it starts to get a little uh, farcical. But would you be interested to share your dating history and in what way did it have an impact on the work you're doing today in the dating field? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, it's funny because I think actually the inverse happened in this situation where my professional work helped develop my own personal awareness and improved my relationship. So it's kind of a, a funny journey where, you know, I I first got into matchmaking through Ikigai, if you're familiar with those exercises on purpose. So I got into matchmaking. I was actually single at the time when I was pursuing this field, helping others navigate compatibility. Then you have to kind of look inward and I am challenging myself that I also should be more mindful of my own dating, of course, like practice what you preach, walk the walk. And so at Macklin, we are here emphasizing the importance of values, long-term relationship goals, lifestyles, and that's what we are looking for when we're looking at matches. So I had to reflect on my own dating experiences, and I had not been focusing on that alignment. You know, you you kind of mold yourself to other people's lifestyles. So yeah, basically, I had to think about what are the patterns that I'm experiencing. And um, it wasn't that I had trouble getting interests. That's not my problem or other, some of my clients' problems or building connections. Like I felt like I was good at dating, but it's about the long lasting outcome. So I wasn't finding compatible people. When I was able to then focus better on my values, I was able to identify a partner. I'm happily in a relationship for a long time now. And so I can say with certainty those matchmaking methods that Macklin emphasizes, they actually do work. This has been the, um, as far as I can recall, what the inverse is not something that I that I've heard about so far. It's usually mm-hmm. been some some prior experience with with dating has what it did was build that uh, that authority in it by saying, well, I had successful dating, so now I was able to um, take my knowledge and share it with others, which I think is also some uh, pretty consistent through a line with other people in their fields as well. So it is interesting to hear about that inverse. And so I'll give you one follow up question, and then we want to learn more about how your agency works. I I was like. The, the, the platform word was right there. It's like, come on, let me out, let me out, let me yeah. out. Was there a 
a tension between your ability to work confidently in the field relative to your experience? Um, did you feel like you had to have certain personal accomplishments first before you could transmute that into professional accomplishments? Yeah, that's a fair question. You know, if, if you're a matchmaker, how are you matching people? But you're single. I think really, which we'll get into as well, is that our firm or agency has psychology expertise. So mm-hmm. you can still um, provide guidance and advice and help make compatible matches to people because that's a, a you know a, a separate party and we're still able to advise and assess compatibility without myself being involved in the relationship and i had previous skill sets in psychology as well as in executive recruiting and that kind of bleeds into the field of matchmaking so i have the skill sets to be a matchmaker um, and then later on to advise about dating You know, there are many dating coaches out there that are single themselves and kind of working through their own development and breaking their patterns. And as they're growing, they're educating and, you know, um, sharing their story to help encourage other people and inspire other people. And then along the way, you know, you you develop a relationship and then that's kind of where... um, you know, I've been in the field um, close to four years now, so it was a pretty quick involvement. Um, I think, in, and hopefully, other people in their field don't feel like they have to be perfect to be an expert. You know, you can still be on the journey alongside your clients. I think it can be um, motivating to have. Um, your coach not be so far ahead of you. I think in in the coaching realm, if you're you know miles and miles apart from where your client is in that journey, maybe the relatability piece is missing and you won't necessarily get to connect as well. So having been single myself more more recently, I have experienced the apps where if there's colleagues out there who are matchmakers that have been married for years and years and they've never even seen or been on an app, then there creates a little bit of a gap. That's an excellent point. And I can see that being true in, in a number of fields and in a number of industries. Um, just like the first thing that comes into my mind is cooking. Wanting to learn from like the, the top tier chefs, the Michelin star chefs would be great. But for, for one, there's there's the time value component, but then there's also being able to really absorb what someone is saying when the fundamentals aren't there, um, the basics are there. So learning along those lines is a much more, I think, clear and practical path for, for everyone involved. So I think... And that's something that, and I'll, I'll say this, and then we'll move on to the methodology question, which is the the meat and potatoes of today's episode. But <laughs> one of the previous episodes that I had with Cole Fink, he, he talked to me into realizing that my particular experience wasn't going to be a detriment to my future goals, just because I had a preconceived idea of what I had to have in order to meet those goals. So to contextualize this in in, in the world of, of writing, there's obviously a lot of people who have who read ten, like hundreds upon hundreds of books. I've probably read about like 45 so far, but I've also racked up a lot of hours in film and in television mm-hmm. and in gaming, which has evolved as a storytelling medium. Um, And in fact, is eclipsed as a storytelling medium because of the interactivity involved in storytelling rather than always being a passive observer. And so you take all of this experience that is unique and you can either throw it all away and start from scratch or you can say this experience is what is particularly valuable about me in this space. And so a willingness to 
um, celebrate our, our experience so far, regardless of what shape it has taken, is way more valuable than um, expecting to adhere to the pre-established norms because, well, they're already there. You don't need to service that because that service has already been completed. So mm -hmm. that's the takeaway from that. It has really stuck with me um, even to this day. Perfect. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's talk about the five-stage methodology. And I'm I'm especially you know, fascinated to hear about the how the psychology is worked into this because it's not something that I studied in school, but I think it's one of those um, parts of the human experience that we are all building up experience for, hence what I've just said about all of our experience can be uh, useful in different ways. Mm -hmm. So uh, take us through it, and if it's uh, especially helpful, we'd also love to hear about, say, how it was developed, if there were early iterations of it, and mm -hmm. I will follow up I, because it's five stages, I'm not planning on having five follow-ups for each stage, but I will, of course, follow up with where um, things stick out to me in particular. Yeah, absolutely. One of our favorite topics. Um, this is, again, like you said, the foundation of everything that we do. So our founder, Rachel Vita Macklin, um, she's a chartered psychologist in the UK. So it's her namesake. And she wanted to build um, a different kind of matchmaking company that would use psychology and kind of follow a value-driven, more inclusive approach. Um, actually, over 50% of our team have a psychology degree or higher, and um, bachelor's, master's. I think even one of our coaches has her PhD. So that's quite fascinating in relationship psychology. Um, but the process has been kind of curated by the team over the last decade with our clients top of mind. And this five-stage framework or uh, matchmaking methodology. Um, I'll just kind of go through those stages and yeah, feel free to ask your questions. But the first stage is knowing yourself, just like you spoke about earlier. It's really having um, greater insight about your experiences. Who are you? What are your core values? And um, when you kind of peel back the layers and know what your values are, you start to realize all of those values have impacted your decision-making and ultimately your relationships. Many people kind of skip ahead and they just think about, I'm single, you know, it's it's them, it's them, it's them, but they haven't taken the, the time to look inward and that's essential and that's why that's the first stage in our matchmaking approach. The second stage is describing the right person for you. So now once you have a better intake of who you are, then you're in a better position to start thinking about who who are they? What qualities should I be seeking in a partner that are compatible with me? And surprisingly, those qualities are reflections of your core values. So that's, again, why you shouldn't be skipping ahead and thinking about, you know, who your person is. You should be thinking about who am I and who is compatible with me? That's kind of a different frame or lens to see things in. And then the third stage is uh, visualizing the relationship. And visualization is a very powerful tool. Um, essentially, this is goal setting. So what, um, you know, what does this ideal relationship look like? It's pretty complex dynamic now that it's you and another person's world colliding. So a lot of considerations when we're not thinking about the goal and we're not defining who is this person, what will the relationship look like? We're, we're a bit aimless. And so that can cause people to have, have troubles in identifying like who is the right person for them. So those are the first three stages. And that fourth stage 
is where the matchmaking comes into play. Creating a plan and putting in motion. Many people lack strategy. So this is all about what are you going to be doing? There's this common notion. I don't know if it's just from rom-coms or what, um, but the fairy tales we hear, um, just like locking eyes and across the room. So people just think it'll happen. They leave it to chance. But if, if your goal is to be in a relationship and you're just leaving a lot of things to chance, you're not empowering yourself. So here we are being proactive. Um, as the matchmakers, we create a plan with you and we actually implement that plan. So it's a very step-by-step, partially who we know, partially kind of an executive search. So um, it's a lot of work that goes into it, but that's where um, you know the bulk of our matching service is about strategy. And then that fifth stage is dating mindfully with meaning and purpose. And here it takes both parties to make a successful match. There should be commitment from the client and from the matchmaker. And we empower them to, you know, consider all the, all the matches that we present, coach them, listen and get the feedback and advice as they are dating. Um, So it is, a very rigorous time time consuming journey but we find a lot of success you know with our expertise and the individuals like own accountability and growth mindset we've had an amazing success we've we've matched over thousands thousands of singles the first thing that stuck out to me um out of the out of the five steps was the introspection part which i i mean i i don't want to create an avatar of of the person just so that I can make my example stick. But I think introspection is a challenge for a lot of people and Mm -hmm. trying to peel back some of those layers means encountering a lot of problems that may have been resolved, may have not been resolved. So how do you ensure that this person is being honest and how can we distinguish the, the, the true honesty versus the the put upon self-rationalization honesty that has actually functioned more as a barrier than an aid. Right. I think as psychology-based professionals, um, we we do have ways to probe and question and dive in deeper and kind of pull out where those struggles have been. And for the most part, we we hope that someone would just be forthcoming and truthful as they're embarking on this and, you know, not, not only investing their finances, but also their time and energy. You would hope that that level of investment um, means that they genuinely do want to be better in, in their relationships and get our expert support. There are plenty of matching services out there who will skim over all of this and you know maybe that would be better suited for you if you didn't want to kind of um expose yourself in that light right if you didn't want to peel back and be introspective but i think that is why our clientele does really appreciate and find success because they're willing to do the work and they're willing to lean in to our expertise and kind of our psychology based approach um so with that, how we're doing it, we have a compatibility wheel. It, it's kind of like those, um, it's often used in life coaching, talking about all the different segments of your life from your upbringing. Again, ding, ding, that's a big, 
aspect of of how we are attached in relationships and um you know they impact our love map and you know all the those experiences are heavily you know impact any interpersonal relationship um so unpacking the upbringing your your value systems and beliefs um you know your social environments um, things you do for fun and fulfillment, finances, um, and then anything with with past relationships. So there's so much to dive into that um, you know you you can really understand and get to know this client so deeply. And oftentimes there might be takeaways where they're like, "Wow, I haven't like talked about that in a long time," or "Oh, I haven't really realized how that influenced my relationships in the past," um, and just really pulling back what people's core values are, they do change in time. So I think even though maybe you've done a values exercise 10 years ago, it's still valuable to reassess and see if if those values remain true today. And and then I guess I want to also hear about the the reflection of that. So mm-hmm. based off the way the the system works, and is it fair to call it a system or is there like a... Yeah, methodology method- framework. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Where where are people, I guess, um, struggling when it comes to trying to like you know create sort of the idea of who who my ideal partner is? Sure, I you know there again um, maybe there's external influences that um, you're you've always gone after a certain person because that was expectation in your family or your community your culture. So um, maybe by default people have been looking in the wrong place. Um, Oftentimes, we are also quite limiting in terms of the criteria. So if you have a wish list, that's great to have, you know, taken some learnings from previous partners and saying, this worked well, this didn't work well. I think it's great to be mindful of that. But to create hard, fast rules because of an experience, I would think is unfair to any future person that you meet and kind of um, creating deal breakers or eliminating, um, oh, you know, I, I dated a French guy and he was horrible to me. So no more French people, like a whole category of people just wiped away in one go. I think when people come to us, it is our job as well to challenge them in their pre-existing criteria. Um, so when there are clients that have really high expectations or very long lists, once we are able to kind of go through their background and say, okay, these are your values, and then now let's look at your list, do 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 some of these lists still ring true? Is this actually relevant at all? You know, does your partner have to be six five or does her waist have to be, you know, size 20, like whatever people, um, you know, extremes, et cetera, or the narratives that they've told themselves? We're here to kind of politely say, does this actually impact your happiness? Like, will will that make someone a good partner? Um, so just again bringing in more um, personal awareness to who they are and, and what they're be look, what they're looking for. Um, the the first three stages of knowing yourself and your partner and your relationship, it might evolve a little bit as as we go through the matching journey. So um, it's not like your criteria has to be set in stone when you're working together or in your own dating journey. Um, I think, again, it's good to have clarity, but not to be rigid. Have some flexibility on your criteria and, um, you know, 
see what works and doesn't work. Um, it's a safe space to explore in, in our service or through our agency. So I think that gives people a lot of comfort to get out of their, their traditional um, type, I, mm-hmm. I guess, and lean into, all right, you know, if, if you guys think that they're compatible on all these different levels, you know, maybe he wouldn't be my typical person or she might not be my, someone I swipe on, but let me give it a go through you guys. Those are one things about helping kind of carefully communicate and be respectful. There's, it's fine for someone to have a preference. I'm not saying you're right or wrong for having a preference, but maybe we can challenge any bias or pull out the underlying why. Why is that important to you? And if you're able to articulate that in a meaningful way, amazing, then that that helps everyone. It helps yourself and it helps us when we're mm-hmm. trying to match you. Well, I'd love to give an, um, a personal example from that. And I have a reputation for giving weird examples, but it's gonna work, it's gonna <laughs> work. So I'm a, I'm a gigantic nerd and the, the Legend of Zelda series has always been one of my main um, gaming series and it's not just about them making lights and hitting things over the head with a sword there is a deeper emotional story about these characters who have bonded at a spiritual level and they keep reincarnating and they keep crossing each other's paths over and over again and so there is a a lot of depth to it and so for me the the series is not just important for the blinking lights it's important because i resonate with it on an emotional level and so that would have been a criteria for mm-hmm. for quite a while for me my my girlfriend of now five years um, was not a fan of the series, and that was not a deal breaker for me. I think a, a younger, more hot headed version of me probably would have had that as a deal breaker, but it certainly wasn't for me now. But what ended up happening was because she's uh, she and I are both um, actors as well, um, mm-hmm. she got booked for a Zelda commercial. So she actually got to do the Zelda commercial and she yeah. wanted to understand the game a little bit better. So she ends up playing um, one one of the games and I'm like talking her through certain parts of it, but not a lot because she's like, no, I want to explore it on my own. Get out of the room. So I'm like, OK. And so she ended up becoming a fan of the series just by mm-hmm. by coincidence. And so I think having that criteria is even if it's those action items aren't quote unquote met the future is still un- unwritten. So there is a lot that can change and that I think being with somebody else in that long-term commitment can actually increase the probability of us both um, adhering more slightly or more um, majorly to each other's um, uh, ideals. I mean, I, I certainly mm-hmm. changed to her preference over the course of five years and likewise she has as well. So I, I would never like want to just like straight up abandon a criteria, but I think it's also important too to understand that like what's what's best for us might not reflect what we wrote down. Yeah, I, I think it's like you don't need to have someone that's a carbon copy of you. You you do want yeah, someone that, um, <laughs> right? I think most some people might be like, yes, that's amazing to have someone that wants to do all the same things, all think, view, you know, speak the same way. It's probably not the reality. Um, I think you just have to respect uh, the, each other's differences. And yeah, if you truly you know value someone, then it's very likely you'll pick up some of their habits organically. Have you ever had a situation where someone says, you know what, I don't want this, I don't want to make a list of my ideal partner. Can you just make a list for me of what you think? Because you must know me at this point. So what would you, like, have you ever just like, okay, here's what we think your ideal partner would look like. Have you ever had to do anything like that? There are some people who just feel frustrated that, you know, well, whatever I'm doing hasn't worked in the past. So 
just tell me what I should be doing. Um, it can be challenging. You know, there there is one side of it that it's great to be open-minded and have a clean slate and just explore. Um, but generally, that just means it'll take a bit more time to refine as we go. So that's okay not to have all the answers right away. There There is a natural learning that's involved in dating and relationships. Um, as long as we can understand, yeah, who fundamentally, who are you and, and what are your values, then um, it almost kind of illuminates who we should be looking for anyhow. So by default, if we're kind of following this methodology, we'll have a generally decent idea of who could be compatible. Mm -hmm. um, and then now it's just kind of fitting the pieces of attraction and, you know, lifestyle and a few other bits that, um, will be important to that individual client. But yeah, there, there definitely are people who are just like, I'll leave it to you guys. <laughs> yeah. um, so the last uh, follow-up that I had in regards to the five-step um, framework is about the strategy. Now, one of the themes that we explored very, on in the pro very early on in the program that we haven't explored too much lately because these things, they kind of come and go, is the tension between intentionality and organic. So let's just say, for an example, I go to a speed dating event. Obviously, I'm there with the intention on, on dating and, and meeting people who I might have a more prolonged date with afterwards. But it creates that veneer of having a goal when oftentimes being in that organic, free-flowing state is usually a better way to convey who we are. So where are the challenges with developing a strategy that I think is, is is effective, but is not like over effective where you're almost like more worried about adhering to the strategy and not letting the organic side of it actually manifest? Part of strategy for us is just effort. There are many people who flat out lack time. Therefore, it falls bottom of their priority list. And that's where a lot of people who are coming to kind of outsource the, the work, so to speak, it's because they flat out may not have time. Um, so I think that is for us one, one thing that we often encounter is there's no strategy because they're, they, they don't have a, a time in their day to even dedicate towards it. The other is that they're quite frustrated with their experience. So they might be approaching dating, but they're not in the right settings. Um, they might be looking for the wrong people. So again, they're just kind of repeating patterns. And even though they're putting in work or putting in effort, the quality of what they're doing, you know, could be reevaluated. So there's the strategy piece is us coming in, basically unlocking a whole new network of people that they've never had access to before that already is a strategy, but also kind of going out on their behalf and being like an executive search where we can go and connect with people who are compatible based on, again, all the, the earlier planning. Um, so here it's really just about someone coming in and taking time and being intentional for the client. <laughs> so it, it saves them a lot of time and energy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the space that we, we have, there are obviously a lot of ways that people can uh, attempt dating. There's mm -hmm. lots of uh, apps. Uh, I myself mm -hmm. have attempted to use OkCupid, okay attempted to use 
Twitter, uh, Twitter. Uh, well, Tinder. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for, for you know, all things considered, even tw- Twitter at times, I thought maybe something would happen here. <laughs> I even I remember like briefly wondering if uh, if LinkedIn was a good outlet too, because like, man, everybody uh, looks really good in their headshots too. I'm like, okay, don't do this, don't, not on LinkedIn. <laughs> so that was a good call. Um, but there's certainly a lot of options out there. And okay, so. I can't formally ask this question unless I do a little bit of housekeeping in terms of, I think, the financial commitment. And I was about to wonder if there is a um, divide between, say, like blue-collar workers versus white-collar workers. But blue-collar workers can earn quite a good living, too. So I don't necessarily think lifestyle is the the barrier. But if um, respectfully, what are the what kind of financial commitment are you looking for for people who are uh, entering it? Yeah, so our clients, I would say many of them like would be considered high achievers. Um, and so for us, that can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. You don't need to put a specific um, criteria there, but there is a level of investment. There are services of all spectrums. I think because of our level of expertise, our more international presence, um, that has allowed us to work and represent some of the most fascinating um, people out there. With us, there are kind of financial commitments, $20,000 plus. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, someone in themselves might not invest. It might be a family investment or it might be, you know, something um, they, you know, uh, they're highly invested in personal development. So they save up to to do something like this type of service. So there's people of all different backgrounds that they don't necessarily have to be multimillionaires. And that's not the exclusivity that we're seeking. I think it's more just about people that value um, long-term committed relationships. They value working with experts. They want access to an international network and a high level of service. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I appreciate that. And and I do want to say too, that the, the costs of being uh, entering in a bad long-term relationship can rack up pretty uh, substantially in their own rights too, especially if it ends up in a, in a costly marriage and it ends up in an even costlier divorce. So there are a lot of ways that this can become a pretty um, significant financial hit. So having that investment and having that intentionality can not only save um, incredible amounts of finances on the line, but can also save lives too while we're at it. So I, I definitely respect that that part of it. But I, I wanted to ask that because I wanted to sort of confirm the the avatar of the, of the people who are um, um, working with the agency for this question, which I'm about to ask, which is considering all of these dating apps that we that we mentioned, that there are a lot of options out there. Where, where I think there's a there's a challenge with clientele is that because they're high achievers, you would think that there's a lot of appeal going for them on these platforms. So, why why are why are these not working for them? Is it just the high achievers just have to really work through this process? Because you would think like, oh, I've got I got money, I got looks, I got I should be doing fine on on Tinder. Um, so, <laughs> I think it's created a pain point that has probably actually helped your your business. But yeah, tell us about what is the relationship between uh, what you do and how mm-hmm. the rest of the dating world is, I don't know, in chaos. I guess. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. There's thousands of dating apps or platforms out there, and that those kind of have normalized meeting someone on a third party. So I think that has paved the way for matchmaking in a sense. Um, and a lot, 
But the the struggle is that dating apps um, unanimously create frustration. People come to alternatives like matchmaking when they're frustrated. Um, and or you know they are they're seeking something kind of a higher higher caliber. But what you're what you're touching on is okay, if if there are a lot of these high achievers, why are, why is it not working for them? Like I addressed earlier, a lot of um, people that are business owners, executives, or you know whatever top of their fields, many have little time. So it could be that they have a volume of interest, um, but they don't have any energy to weed through potentials. Um, you know, could be getting lots of hits online, but it's just at the end of the day, it's like oh, last thing on their list to do can't even find time to to swipe and engage on the apps. A lot of people, you know, it, it's still a priority to them. They still think it's a very um, valuable aspect of their life that they want to achieve, but they just don't know how to go about it. So then they're going to seek out expert support and they want the best to help find that and filter for them, essentially. Another interesting aspect for a high achiever is maybe that the, the interest that they're yielding um, might not be after them for the right intentions. You know, maybe they're being sought after for the right, the wrong reasons, for their status, their mm-hmm. monetary gains, social climbing, what, whatnot. Um, there's just a lot of superficiality out there online. So again, you can have kind of a trusted coach or matchmaker along your side, finding people that are a bit more genuine and again, aligned on compatibility. I think... Many other high achievers have a, a challenge of finding people of a similar caliber. You know, there's this kind of misconception that um, there's no other good ones out there. And um, again, people probably just don't know how to present themselves well online um, or they're being discreet about it. I guess that's another point is if we are working with someone who's high profile, they may not have the luxury of being on a public platform. Mm-hmm. So they need to utilize a more discreet method and they appreciate kind of our professional offline experience. So that could be another challenge that people are navigating. Um, but overall, yeah, there, there might not be the abundance that they're looking for. It might not be easily accessible on these platforms because Truthfully, they have a low barrier to entry. So that could just be something you don't know what people's intentions are. You don't really know the quality that they are. Um, so if you're kind of looking to cut through those challenges, we take the legwork off our client's plate and also elevate the experience of meeting someone compatible. And and um, yeah, hopefully that addressed it. Yeah, well, I think it, it goes back to one of the things that we said um, right off the bat, which is that to use a platform means that it's um, user, it's, it's self-inflicted satisfaction. So because someone has um, a lot of time to, to use on the platform, that almost becomes a, a detriment to a person's appeal. Um, and, and I think the other answer that really stuck out to me, too, is that status is a positive but it is also negative um, and it's actually something that I, I encountered too with my first relationship that I actually wanted to bring up on the program is um, the the first person that I dated um, worked at the cash register at a comic book slash Magic the Gathering shop that I frequented and <laughs> and I was constantly um, having this debate inside my own head as to okay how much of this am I attracted to the person and how much of this is my attracted to her status because you know dating the the clerk at the local comic shop in Nerd World 
is is pretty big is a is a is a big deal um but and that also comes with its own positive and negatives too because obviously there's a lot of people competing for her attention so there could be a lot of jealousy um there could be um the relationship act did not end amicably not one bit and so i sort of like had to distance myself from that world as a result of it so we we want to protect covet confidentiality um with respect to what you stated that a lot of these people are exceptionally discreet and it is very important for them which is also a fair point in of itself so how do you, do you ever have to deal with that dealing with like people whether they're like over attracted to status or mm-hmm. maybe they're not respecting status enough and not realizing what they're getting into i think this the concept of status is a really difficult uh, area to navigate because you have the person and you have the projection of the person based off of where they are contributing to society Sure. I think, yeah, attraction and status, that that would be maybe a preferential of, of some of our clients, because if they are a certain caliber themselves, maybe they want an equal or higher caliber when, when they're utilizing our service. But the inter- interplay, I think that's a delicate balance, because for us, again, once we've guided them through those stages, they've hopefully had a bit more introspection and consideration for their values and will help them emphasize beyond those external factors of physical attraction and, and status. Again, what are the um, what is the meaning behind um, someone that is high achieving that is important to you? Maybe it's the level of ambition and um, you know, maybe that is really attractive to you, but there could be ambitious singles out there that aren't at the top of their chain, that those are the qualities you're attracted to, and maybe they could still be a great partner. So mm-hmm. it's kind of massaging what status looks like and what could be attractive to someone and re- representing it in a way that's still compelling to the client. And it's also something where attraction can grow, um, you know, if, if fundamentally everything else is aligned, um, you know, that can foster a great attraction as you grow. And I'll also say that um, being compatible with someone and being attracted to them isn't an either or, you know, it it could be both. It could be compatible and attractive to you. It doesn't mean that you have to choose one or the other. I think um, making that people think that there's a sacrifice need to be made. And um, that's that's not always um, true. Right. Uh, yeah. You can find someone that's compatible and attractive to you. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded me of this clip. I, I see it every like eight months or so. It was from an old sitcom called uh, News Radio. Pretty sure it was News Radio. And it, it was a bit where two characters who were both uh, exceptionally like business-minded were discussing terms of marriage and it was the most like calculated unromantic thing like yeah so it's transactional yeah um so what are your terms um single uh rich male seeks matrimony uh how many hours do we spend together 55 hours in aggregate specifics to be determined later done and they just kept going through it until like there was a deal breaker and they says well well, it was a pleasure um um, working with you i hope i'll be fine and the joke being they were obviously made for each other but because there was like a deal breaker and i i thought it was funny but it made me think about the difficulty with romance because Mm -hmm. one of the things that you mentioned earlier is that we get a certain idea of it based off of media and and the romantic films 
and that oftentimes that romance is the power that seems to like override all of the powers. So you can have somebody who owns like a, a jewelry store in New York come in, I mean, anything you want, but then she goes to like visit her parents and there's like a, a schlub who, whose job is like fixing fences or something like that. But, and then, but he's just got, he's just got it right. He's got that X factor in, in reality. Um, do people have like, top priorities other than romance like is is compatibility really its own game or um is there I mean, at the end of the day does love really prevail over all of it i think love is the motivator that helps kind of kickstart people and you know inspires them to prioritize you know relationships because they're they're seeking out that that end feeling that end um, vision, you know, where they're happily ever after with someone. And I think that's a beautiful vision and, and something that I, I don't think any, you know, anyone would knock. And now it's just about, okay, how, how are we, what's the steps in between? And that's where we, we try to fill in those steps and help people kind of progress to that end vision. So for us, our clients are seeking committed monogamous relationships. Um, it could be the the opposite that they're they're driven by lo their loneliness. Um, so it could just be that that sparked. Um, I think previously we had conversations about COVID, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that you know during that time heightened loneliness and that kind of was maybe the kickstart that people needed. So the, the pervasion of loneliness or the seeking out of love, it's kind of the, the differing spectrums um, that kind of lands on partnership. Um, and so what motivates people is, yeah, maybe they don't want to be alone or they're really seeking this kind of like added life experience. Um, so whatever way they're, they're kind of coming to us, um, we would understand and peel that back again in that introspective piece on where they are and what's happened in their life and, and kind of why why is partnership or, and why is finding someone important to them and, and it could be various reasons but that that seems to be the the ultimate life goal for for most mm -hmm. people and and one thing that I wanted to say just to add um, some more to this as well is that the winning over the affection of somebody else I think is the the core idea of romance but I think there are other ways that it manifests for me um, nothing is more romantic than a couple who are already in love and are already a partner taking on the rest of the world like it's it's us two versus everybody else and we're gonna we're gonna make it and I think that's a beautiful thing I think when when a, when a couple have really formed a single unit and are and are so in sync that they feel unstoppable together. Um, to me, I think that's like the most beautiful thing. But and I think everyone, I'm again not an expert. I'm just I'm just a dude with a uh, shocking amount of luck in this space. I would just encourage people to think that you know romance is a sub is uh, has a high degree of subjectivity to it, and that it can take on different shapes. And so I hope that people find the shape that it takes and. And it's not just the one thing, which is just trying to win somebody's affection, because having to constantly like, try to continue to win over someone's affection, even long into the relationship is important. You never want to stop that. You never want to take it for granted. But I, I for one, would also want to see an evolution of that, too. And to see all of that, that that energy manifest into a more 
um, outward facing um, uh, impact on the rest of the world. Yeah, I think that falls into the the visualizing the relationship category where it's where we're defining we want to be a power couple. Kind of yeah, like exactly. Referring. That's the term. Yeah, <laughs> that's the term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one other thing that uh, I wanted to know about your your agency. Uh, this is pretty important. I'm, I'm glad I got it in before we ran out of time. But um, because you know you emphasize working with clients in the long term capacity, um, can you tell us a little bit about what I guess post match made services like and do you say is there counseling involved is there um, maintenance involved and in, in helping keeping a relationship um, healthy and compatible yes definitely well we yeah it would be a shame to just say you're matched goodbye forever yeah. um I, we do offer a variety of services that help bring learning and growth to our clients at pretty much any stage whether it's like pre-matchmaking and you just want to engage in in kind of like a date coaching capacity but if we're in, working with clients over the matchmaking journey through that five step methodology we are infusing date coaching through that experience you know as they are dating we are getting feedback from them and from the match and kind of um understanding and reflecting what could be better in our next experience and what rings true and what resonates what do we not like so kind of consistently giving guidance um but we also should be helping um clients with the right advice it's not always the easy advice you know um kind of seeing them repeat patterns and having to kind of bring that to the discussion and, and help them date better as they're working through our journey. Um, but on the later end of it as well, there will be relationship counseling once people are coupled up. Um, and apart from that, we have more structured one-on-one -on -one coaching too. If there's like a particular topic um, or struggle pattern, again, that we want to address, we can kind of take that up to a different member of our Macklin team that provides coaching. Um, some of those topics would be like effective communication, um, navigating conflict resolution, more like um, personal development or confidence building. Um, we can even support people looking at their online dating profiles if they want, if they were still exploring different avenues for dating. Um, but apart from that, we teach online workshops and we do digital master classes. So we're really big on helping empower people, whether you're utilizing our service one-on-one -on -one or, you know, you just want to learn from the expert and date on your own accord. Okay. Uh, I, I appreciate a, a lot of that. And what I'm just doing with the last um, few minutes is there's just a couple of other things that I wanted to um, understand about about Macklin in specific. So one thing that sticks out is that the, the past dating coaches that we've talked to were area specific. So one was mm -hmm. New York, one was the uh, United Kingdom. Um, not to like, you know, compare one city versus one country, but New York is a pretty right. big place. It's practically like its own <laughs> contained country anyways, right? So uh, I'd say they're about neck and neck, but um, your <laughs> I, the question says platform. Oh man, I forgot to edit it. So, but your your agency does work with a, a lot of different um, countries, a lot of different regions. So, what have been what would you say have been some of the advantages and some of the drawbacks to I guess cross cultural connections? I think being international is one of our greatest greatest like differentiators, actually, and. Mm -hmm. and one of the biggest advantages. So we have, um, I'm in California, we have our New York partner and our London partners. So we do span the US and Europe. 
For us, I think that just allows us to work with clientele around the globe and support with a vast pool of matches. But we can also do coaching sessions that cover a lot of time zones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're that there's there's truth that there will be cross cultural nuances. The fact that we have local teams in California, New York, and London, that allows us to kind of understand the microclimates of dating in those areas. Dating in the West Coast versus dating in East Coast, there are some kind of lifestyle differences or attitudes or demeanors. Um, so yeah, there, there certainly are nuances, but having local experts to kind of um, help support them while still providing access outside of their immediate area. I think there's many people that um, th there's a huge benefit to that. You know, your perfect partner might not be in your backyard. They mm -hmm. might be, you know, somewhere, somewhere across the globe. The other difference um, is that we have to kind of counteract working with people outside of our main three areas. We also have ambassadors and there's over 100 ambassadors, and they are kind of our Macklin eyes and ears on the ground in across cosmopolitan cities, primarily in the U.S., Europe, Asia, the Middle East, um, even down in Australia. We use ambassadors to kind of have their local knowledge and their networking capabilities, and then they can um, point us to singles anywhere in, in the world. So... Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting how how wide we can reach. Um, mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite parts about our firm. So, you, know, you have to forgive me if I need to uh, ask for something that was uh, was already uh, answered clearly, but unfortunately, I, I produce as well as I as I host the show, so I am distracted by blinking lights sometimes. But the the ambassadors are they oftentimes also people who have say found success and are continuing spreading the good word. They could be. Yeah, I think that's an organic referral-based um, system, but they could also just be people who, in their own default, have a, an amazing network. They could be part of an alumni association. They could be part of like a Christian community or a hiking club. And, mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason, um, our, it could be a compelling community to network with for our clients. And it could just be geography-based, you know, uh, language-based, um, religion-based. So there's a lot of um, individuals who don't even have to be single themselves that are great networkers. All right. Well, Sarah, uh, I've only got one question left for you for today, sure. which is um, what fa what challenges is your oh, – I every single question I wrote down this platform on it. Honest, <laughs> Joseph, come on. Uh, what challenges is your agency facing uh, on a day like today? And when I ask this question, it, it can be uh, high-minded questions, but it could also be very granular, like, oh, we're just we're worried about our, our ranking, we're worried about our, our, our social media presence, whatever that case may be. I'm curious to hear about it. And then the second is give yourself five years. What is the outlook for what, what you're up to and what Macklin are up, is up to? Yeah. I mean, the, the main challenge will always be to adapt and grow as uh, relationship trends and dating landscapes evolve. You know, what relationships looked like 50 years ago to now have definitely changed. So, you know, who knows what the future will look like and we're going to have to adapt and modify. In addition to that, well, something that I think is currently impacting a lot of fields is AI. Mm -hmm. um, so technology, 
um, with artificial intelligence, you know, that is out outskilling a few professions, but some will still require the human touch, especially emotionally based, like matters of the heart, um, matchmaking and, and date coaching. They do need um, a bit more emotional analysis or using our ability to kind of communicate and pick up nuances that technology can't identify. So, mm -hmm. Um, but it's not a, it's not us against AI. I think we can certainly still implement some of these tools more efficiently, um, even just internally with the volume of data we have and the, num the number of people we know. Um, there's probably ways that we can utilize AI and just kind of improve our matching. And then the goal for our next five years, I'd say we want to continue to enhance refine the service, deliver more advice to singles. So maybe it is growing our, our, our like social platforms to kind of bring and broadcast um, more dating expertise and um, attract people that, you know, want to be intentional, um, use kind of a psychology-based approach. Um, and then on top of that, we're we're also looking to expand our physical offices too, and anytime in a more cosmopolitan area. So that's mm -hmm. um, something we're always seeking opportunities for. Fantastic. All right. Well, like I said, that was everything that I had planned for for today. But as a, I don't know, I guess a matter of policy, I was offer the floor once more in case there was any other say thoughts or reactions or opinions that have been lingering in your head as a result of this conversation. So if there's anything else that you want to share, feel free. And then otherwise, let the audience know where they might be able to find you online. I mean, I'm sure there's a million things that we could keep talking about. But yeah, I invite people to follow us um, at Macklin International on Instagram. I'm XO Sarah Joe. Um, you can also connect with us on LinkedIn um, and maybe even browse our website and kind of explore a bit more about membership options um, at MacklinInternational.com and .us. So we have two platforms. Okay. Outstanding. Well, everybody, this has been the Impactful Coaching Podcast. I've been Joseph. You can find Joseph space Ayani, I-A-N-N-I. The reason why I'm emphasizing those N's is because I say it too fast. People think it's just M and then Joe Ayami comes at me. So just, that's me on LinkedIn if you want to reach out, have any questions in the media space. And then if you're interested in becoming involved in this podcast, you can email Joseph at impactfulcoachingpodcast.com. It is spelled the way you expect and with that, thank you to everybody for your contribution to this program. It is an honor and privilege of me. And we want to ensure that whatever space you're in to help others, we want you to be as impactful as you can be.